Okay, a quick review. Who's he? <laughs> I can see all my questions better be rhetorical. <clears throat> we met him last week. If you remember, several members of the congregation came and they put him all together. He was the body of Christ. He represented the body of Christ. So what's he doing here? Any ideas besides tripping over the Seahawks? Ah, diving in. Yes, right here. That's what he's doing. He's diving in. The body of Christ diving in. All going to be here this coming Saturday, February the 8th, all throughout the day. Opportunities for you to use your gifts and to serve and to even be here. If you don't feel like you have a gift, we'll find a place to use you. So plan on coming. Uh, Dan Conlon, is he still here? Yeah. Uh, Would you share with us your insight? Stand and say it loud. And lots of guacamole. And one other thing I want to highlight is in the uh, book racks in front of you, you've got some of these brochures and so on. And I just got to thinking, we ran off 500 of those. What if all 500 within the next couple of weeks were all over the community and not sitting in the book racks here? Wouldn't that be something? And that's something every one of you can do is just to pass these on to a friend and uh, uh, invite them to church, let them know what's go- happening here going on. There might be something that would meet a need that they have. Today we're picking up our series once again on unwrapping our spiritual gifts. We began by exploring who the gifts were from and discovered that they were from our Lord God and the... Okay, and then we explored uh, who the gifts were to, and we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that they belong to each one or to everyone who is in Christ. These were given as gifts to the church uh, by God's Spirit, and they are to grow us in our faith and allow us to express that growth in areas of ministry. And so who's the recipient of these gifts? Everybody. Every believer has at least one, and quite possibly more than one, spiritual gift to exercise. And why were the gifts given? Anybody remember? Gifts of one body for Okay. Okay. In Jesus. Jesus was leaving and uh, the Holy Spirit could minister more effectively through each one of us. Um, but that was uh, in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, if you remember, it said it was given for the common good. These gifts were given for the common good, that they would be good for everybody. Everybody would be nurtured and nourished uh, through the sharing of our gifts with one another. And who decides how the gifts are divvied up? It's God's Spirit. Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians says that He gave to each one as He pleased or as He uh, desired. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, just as He determined, just as the Holy Spirit determined, that's how the gifts were distributed and given. And so I've got a couple of helpers that are going to come up and help me if you'd come at this time. 
need one of you on one side of the table and one of you on the other side of the table here. When I say go, you're to put all your body parts on your thing there. On your mark, set, go. <laughs> Ta-da! Very good. If you would hold them up and show your handiwork to... Okay, you can just stand those on the table there. That would be great. Thank you so much. I want to reassure you that, no, in fact, our junior hires are not retarded. <laughs> they uh, are very sharp, actually, and did exactly what they were told, so it's my fault. Um, but this often happens in the body of Christ, where we either want or think we have the gift that so-and-so has got or other people have got, and when we keep our gifts under wraps, then the body of Christ suffers. We are less unless we all take our gifts seriously and share them with one another and with our community and our world and share the good news of Christ through them and through the usage of them. And since the Holy Spirit determines who's going to get which gifts, and since we have nothing to do with the gift that we received, and since there are a variety of gifts that were given and are necessary for the common good, for the benefit of each and every one of us, then how silly for us to covet the gift that somebody else has or to feel that somehow our gift is inadequate, is not appropriate or not that effective, and to be embarrassed by our seemingly, to, in our own evaluation, puny little gift when somebody else has got such a great gift. Paul says... How silly it would be if everyone were an ear, like this gentleman here. If the body of Christ were all an ear, where would the sight be? And if we were all a big eyeball, well, where would our sense of smell be? The reality is we are all different and unique. And Paul concludes that every single part of the body of Christ is necessary. Every single one of you is necessary, is important, is valuable, has worth. And God died for you so that you might come back into relationship with him. And every part fits and works exactly as it should work. And every part is important and essential to accomplish God's purpose for the common good, for the benefit of each and every one of us. So today we're going to begin to examine some of these gifts and uh, talk about them a little bit. Because last week we took a little poll and some of you felt like you didn't have a clue what your gift was. Or some are kind of confused and some of you knew what your gift was and are seeking to use that. So these gifts of the Spirit uh, is what the Holy Spirit gives to us for the common good. Let's pray and invite God to open his word for us this morning. Lord, we need understanding to implement your purpose and ministry. So the very spirit that has given us, gifted us, Lord, help us to understand and have insight into how that gift is to be used. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let me make a few kind of uh, introductory comments about the spiritual gifts. First of all, there's a wide variety of interpretations, conclusions, and applications of the various scriptures that talk about the spiritual gifts. And there's a wide variety among theologians of opinions as to exactly 
what all this means. And in trying to piece it together, I'm going to give you my point of view. It's going to be important that you search God's word and find out your points of view as you understand it and as God wants you to understand it. So I'll share with you mine. The second thing is that there's four main lists of the spiritual gifts in scriptures. There's a lot of other references as well, but four main lists, and those are in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. Okay, so two twelves, two fours, let's say it. Romans chapter 12, uh, okay, let's try it one more time. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. Those are where the four main gifts uh, lists are put in the scriptures. And thirdly, there are about 19 gifts, give or take, depending on how you interpret some of the words and language. Um, there are about 19 gifts that are listed in those four chapters. But these lists are not exhaustive. These lists are not comprehensive in the sense that they cover every single gift that the Holy Spirit gave out. But rather they are descriptive, they're illustrative of what the Holy Spirit's activity and work in and through us is about. And other gifts might have been included from Scripture. For instance, in the book of Nehemiah, we read about the gift of craftsmanship that was given as they were rebuilding the city uh, together as the people in Jerusalem. Uh, we also read of the gift of martyrdom, to die for your faith. And we see a couple of examples, John the Baptist in the Gospels, and then Stephen in the book of Acts, who gave their lives for the Lord and his ministry. Or we see some who have the gift of voluntary poverty and basically give of all they have, for instance, the widow's might, or the gift of celibacy to live single and not marry. And I recall when I was in college that I prayed that I wouldn't get the gift of celibacy. <clears throat> I also didn't want the one in martyrdom either. <laughs> so one more thing. With very few exceptions, there doesn't appear to be a priority of gifts. In fact, Paul rebukes in chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians, the church, for the notion that some gifts were used to determine or be a barometer of your spiritual maturity and that somehow they were a sign or test of true spirituality. Something that continues on to this day and in some religious circles. Paul spends three chapters here kind of setting that whole debate straight. Now, as we're going through these gifts, if you hear something that kind of stirs your heart, something where I believe it's the Holy Spirit that will quicken and enliven yourself and to realize, you know, that's kind of like me, or that could possibly be me. I want you to be uh, mindful of that. And if you've got your Bible, you might want to circle that gift and say, I need to come back and think about this more and pray about this and ponder and seek what God's will is, and try it out. One of the ways we find out about our, about our gifts is to try out things. When somebody asks us to do something, they may have had some sort of message from the Lord that this person might have the gift in this area. And so you might need to kind of try it, and then you might find, wow, that really fits, or, uh-oh, that doesn't fit so good, and that's fine. So I said that there were a few exceptions to kind of the hierarchy of importance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, <clears throat> uh, the verse says, And the church of God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then workers, and then it goes through a list of gifts. 
And it appears that Paul has set a little bit of a hierarchy here of these gifts. And so I'd like to suggest that that's not as much a hierarchy as it is. These were gifts that were very, very important at this stage of the early church in their ministry. I believe they're equally as important today in our culture. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Uh, important gifts that were needed and necessary in the early church. Uh, so I want to start with those three this morning and kind of share a little bit about them. And I want to share kind of what the gift is, the consensus of what the gift is or means. And then secondly, I want to kind of share a, a dark side of these gifts. So we'll get to that in a moment. Apostle basically means in the original Greek to be sent, to be sent with a message or a responsibility. Uh, I believe the apostle are pioneers. I believe that they are ministry starters. They are people who start up and have a dream and a passion and a vision for various ministries that should happen. They have a passion for the pre-Christian person, the one who has not yet come back into relationship with their creator. And so they have a great deal of interest in that and the unreached people of our world. The New Testament apostles laid the foundations of our faith as we understand it. Christianity today was basically those people that laid out this foundation of faith. They also won converts. They also planted churches. They were very interested that other people would know this Christ that they had had the opportunity to walk with and to talk with and to learn about. And so these apostles speak and minister with authority. Uh, in uh, Veritas language, if you were here for our workshop last uh, year, uh, when we presented Veritas, we used the phrase healthy and missional. And the apostle is very healthy and missional. They're looking at pursuing their love for God and their passion for their Lord, but they are also looking at what they can do with that to follow Christ's priorities, which were to win the loss to Christ. In the New Testament, the apostle Paul stands out as one of these people who is an adventurist, who's entrepreneurial, who's a risk taker and would go and do And as you read the story about Paul, it's amazing what he survived and that he survived as long as he did before he was martyred for his faith. He walked over 10,000 miles, if you can imagine that, over 10,000 miles. That's back and forth across our country about three to four times. He faced all sorts of opposition. He faced hostilities at the hands of various people, persecution, and all that in order to plant the message of Christ and to plant churches all around the Mediterranean world of that day. Today, many missionaries have this apostolic gift. Many church planters have this gift of being apostle. There is, however, a dark side, and I have, I don't know, do we have a slide? <clears throat> I think, oh, we're supposed to have a slide, okay. Well, then you're going to have to get out your telescope. But I have here Darth Tater. Darth Tater, and so he's going to kind of represent our, um, I'll just put him here in between these other Body of Christ members, but he's going to kind of represent the dark side. It seems like <coughs> a lot of times when we're given some good ability, we have a choice to use it for good, or we might use it for bad. And in the case of apostles, the dark side of the apostle gift is to misuse their authority that they have been granted or given, to take advantage of their authority. Or they can get ahead of the Holy Spirit sometimes and want the Holy Spirit to rubber stamp their ideas as opposed to really listening to what God's idea is and how they will minister. Uh, if you don't have pioneers, if you don't have people willing to face tough opposition, 
to plant or to revitalize churches to be effective for Christ, there would be no church. We need the people with this apostolic gift. The second gift is the gift of being prophet. And when I say that word, to be a prophet, what kind of comes to mind? Well, a variety of things, you know, fortune tellers, uh, soothsayers. Uh, we think of people who are forecasting the future events and so on and telling that the world's going to end in a certain period of time. Uh, foretelling is a part of what a prophet is about. But interestingly, in the scriptures, it's not their primary role. Their primary role was forthtelling, and uh, forthtelling is basically, basically to unafraid, unashamedly proclaim truth about their God. And so, primarily, forthtelling of God's truth. I have a strong spirit led sense of what is right and what is true, and I'm not afraid to take a stand, I'm not afraid to say so, and to help other people to see those insights. A strong sense of injustice will motivate me to action if I have the gift of prophecy. Um, when something is immoral, something is illegal, when there's a great injustice that's being done, when it's unethical, or a matter of an injustice against a people or persons, these prophets, uh, the people with the gift with prophecy, will warn of God's judgment if things don't get turned around, if things don't get straightened out. In the Old Testament, Elijah was a prophet. And we read about his uh, time where he had to fight battles, uh, political corruption, injustices, false religions and beliefs and faith. He was the quintessential one to stand in the gap alone with God. And that's hard to do sometimes. The prophet has great strength in being able to do that, to stand in the gap alone with their God against whatever the injustice might be. Today, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., who was named after a 15th century prophet, Martin Luther. Uh, those two are probably examples of the gift of prophecy where they dared to speak out against injustices and dared to make a difference in the name of God and speaking to this issue of injustice and racism and uh, the lack of belief or proper belief in our Lord. Many preachers have this gift. They're able to speak the hard truths of Scripture during sinful times. They are courageous. They are decisive. They are outspoken. They are discerning. They are persuasive. But there's a dark side to this gift as well. There could be a lack of sensitivity to the uh, impact of their message on people's lives. They could become spiritually arrogant and kind of think, well, I've really got a special gift here. You better listen up here. They can think of themselves as always being right. They can be a little bit self-righteous at times. The Apostle Paul was definitely a prophet in his day. He spoke the hard truth in order to build up Christ's body and to lead people to the love of God. The third one is the gift of teacher. Spiritually gifted people at gleaning and conveying Bible truths. And they do that in a way that helps people for the common good. Remember we said the gifts were given for the common good? They are the epitome of that, of teaching the truths of God so that people can grow in their lives and be enhanced in their day-to-day -day lives in Christ. They enjoy spending time with the text. They enjoy looking at it, preparing it, going for the deeper truths of Scripture texts or passages. Teachers are analytical, authoritative, 
they are um, articulate in being able to communicate those truths. The dark side can be that they might have pride from superior Bible knowledge. Oh, I know so much and have this attitude or this frame about them. Sometimes their fascination with details or word studies or historical context can distract from leading students to the application. Uh, sometimes they can be not open, not very open, to other people's teachings or teachings which may uh, differ from their own. Uh, sometimes they can get, be given to impressing people with their knowledge. Um, teaching is one of my gifts, I believe, as I've taken these inventories. And let me just mention that we will have these inventories uh, available. They are online, and you can simply go to our page, wait for the spiritual gifts box to come up, click on that, and then you can uh, download it and print it out. And I would encourage every single one of you to take that inventory, and it will kind of assess what your gifts might be and uh, take a look at that. And that might be real enlightening and also give you some understanding as we continue to talk about these for the next few weeks. A New Testament example of a teacher would be Prisca, or in many of your translations, Priscilla. Priscilla instructed Apollos and trained him in the ways of God. She also birthed a church, mothered a church, um, and uh, was very active for his Lord. <clears throat> and those for Paul, if there's any uh, priority, were kind of the big three, apostle, prophet, and teacher. Now, for the rest of the gifts, and we'll spend the next couple, three weeks on those. And I want to give you kind of a template, some forms that should help us consider the other gifts. There's kind of three primary sets, and you might want to jot these down. The first is the equipping gifts. The second is the supporting gifts. The third is the manifesting gifts. And I will explain these a little more as we go along. But the first one is equipping gifts to equip us to do the ministry that God has called us to. The second one is the supporting gifts. And very often their role is to support the equippers. They are the backup people, the behind-the-scenes people to help that. The third is the manifesting gifts. And these tend to be more dramatic gifts, dramatic signs of the Holy Spirit's working. And those are the three categories. The three gifts that we just looked at, I would probably put all three of them in the equipping category, equipping gifts. They are to equip the body of Christ to do the work of Christ. They are equipping gifts that often combined with other roles and callings in the gifts uh, accomplish the purpose that God has within a church as well as within the community that he has placed his church. And there are typically uh, more visible, uh, uh, these people, uh, for instance, pastors, worship leaders, teachers, and so on, tend to be more of the upfront people. But if we don't have the supporting gifts, the equipping gifts cannot do their job effectively. They are very necessary to have these supporting gifts in order to do their job. They cannot be all one gift. They need to be a combination of gifts as the game is truly played for Mr. Potato Head. And so let's look at uh, a few of those this morning. The first one I want to look at is the gift of administration. This is probably another gift that I have uh, as well. In the Greek, the root literally uh, is the analogy of a pilot piloting a ship into safety in a harbor, getting them there safe and sound. This person has the ability to see the big picture, to see complex situations, and they can organize people and projects and resources and ministries in order to accomplish that mission, that vision. 
They can translate a vision into reality by developing clear action steps. That This is the things we need to do. These are the kind of people and gifts that we need to accomplish it. Administrators uh, hate loose ends. You can count on them to kind of get things done and to kind of complete and wrap things up. You know anybody like that? They are responsible. They are thorough. They tend to be quite objective, which sometimes steps on the toes of people that are more feeling-oriented. They um, are organized. They are very, very conscientious. The dark side of this gift is that you could become inflexible. You could become rigid. It's my way or the highway. You can become, um, you can kind of stifle the vision of leadership. Those people that have these uh, gifts of equipping and so on, you could stifle them by too much administration. And sometimes you use people to accomplish your own ends versus Christ's ends. And that's a danger, a dark side of this gift. And without nurturing and caring for them, that often has to go along with administration to be effective. A second gift that we'll look at is the gift of helps. And in Romans, this is called the gift of service, of serving one another. And if you derive joy and satisfaction from serving others, you just plain like helping people, you tend to like being behind the scenes, that's a spiritual gift. In the ego battles of spiritual gifts, you may not feel very important with this particular gift. It doesn't seem to have the status sometimes that our world puts on various signs or gifts. And if we don't have the vital gift of helps, those in equipping business, they just plain don't function very effectively. Um, Our bodies. We, We think about the various parts of our bodies. Well, we have two organs called kidneys which we don't give a whole lot of thought to until something goes wrong. Then it can be lethal. But this gift of helps is a gift where if it needs doing, they're going to volunteer to do it. They're going to be willing to reach in and to help, willing, available, and humble. The dark side of this is they have a lot of trouble saying no, and so therefore face uh, either stress or burnout. And uh, so they have to have good, clear boundaries, and they're helping others. The other thing is that you can get a little pride, a little pompous from, well, it's really me that made this work, you know, uh, the -the behind-the-scenes person, and that can often overshadow their use of their gift. Another gift, the gift of knowledge. This person with a gift of knowledge can bring truth to the body of Christ through biblical insight or direct revelation. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives them a word for the church. And as they pray about this and discern and talk with the leadership of the church, they realize this is a word that needs to be spoken or needs to be revealed in some way. They will never be in conflict with the teaching of scriptures. They are well-versed in the scriptures and invest themselves in understanding God's word and being consistent with God's word. The gift of knowledge is insightful. It's studious. Uh, They love to learn and learn more about their Lord. They love to study and understand their Lord and his love letter to us. The dark side is to be careful of pride because sometimes when we get knowledge, we uh, use that in a way that's uh, more about us than about God. Also, early in 1 Corinthians, Paul had warned that knowledge tends to puff up 
In other words, to make people a little bit braggart or boastful about it. And often this one and the next one we'll talk about kind of get mixed together. And the next one is wisdom, the spiritual gift of wisdom. And it's often a partner with knowledge, the gift of knowledge, because if knowledge is the ability to understand the insights of God, it is wisdom that allows someone to apply those insights in a way that's helpful for the common good for the body of Christ, to nurture and to mature them and to be uh, there for the common good. These people are respected for their insights. We often refer to them as sages or mentors. And uh, often a title like that will go with these people with the gift of wisdom. They go to pe uh, people go to them for counsel, for advice, and seek their wisdom. Uh, what they say makes a difference and seems to turn things around in their life, seems to have an impact. <clears throat> and God's Holy Spirit is able to minister to the individuals that receive this wisdom. The dark side of this one is because of people's dependency on them, they sometimes can be given to become enablers of a person's uh, uh, weaknesses or codependence. Codependence uh, with them. Uh, another one is the gift of discernment. And discernment is an interesting one that has often been abused in the church, unfortunately. This gift is part uh, supporting and part manifesting, and by manifesting basically means to be uh, open display of the Spirit's working. And discernment begins with kind of an assumption that to discern assumes that when the Bible uh, discusses evil, when it discusses Satan, when it discusses hell, when it discusses that Jesus casts out demons, or when it talks about spiritual battles, it also assumes that all these things are true, that they are realities. In the church today, unfortunately, there's a group of people that would like to wash away all sin, hell, Satan, and so on, and not have any of that talk because they don't feel it's very user-friendly. Well, it's an unfortunate side effect of disobedience to our God, and it is true. And this person with, with discernment will be aware of this, and it's a basic operating assumption that they have. It basically believes that we are in a spiritual warfare between good and evil, light and darkness. And it has the ability to recognize when a spirit other than God's Holy Spirit is at work in the life of somebody or in a particular situation or circumstance. It clearly distinguishes right from wrong, pure from impure, uh, the motives, the truth from error. But again, there's kind of a dark side to this gift. And that is becoming spiritually paranoid where every rock we turn always has a devil or a demon underneath it. They need to seek confirmation from God's word, from the Bible, from others, and in their prayer life in order to stay on the truth that God wants them to. Three words that I always hated at the end of a program that I was watching, which proved that it wasn't the end of the program, to be continued. Next week, we're going to come back to this and talk a little bit more about these spiritual gifts. So if you haven't heard one that rung true for you yet, hang in there. We'll probably get to it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word that helps us to understand how it is that we work. 
God, I just pray that each individual will truly seek you to be enlightened about what their gift or gifts are and how they might use them for your honor and your glory. We now give of our tithes and our offerings to support your ministry here in Sumner and to extend your ministry around the globe. We give with cheerful hearts as you have asked. In your name, amen.